Because I believe every one of us are closer to the blessing than we think. But what I've found in the kingdom of God is we can block up the blessing. And I know you think it's impossible, but we're going to show you today how you can block up the blessing. So turn with me into the book of Matthew, and I'll I'll tell you the verse here in a second. But I just feel like we, we, we really need to pray right now. To receive what God would have for us today. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be in a constant state where those blessings are chasing me down. Are you hearing me? I mean, they're like running after me and tackling me and blessing me. That's the type of life I want to live. And I believe there are times where I live it and like this trailer just tackles me. And says, go camping. And this neighbor tackles me and says, I'll save you some money. And there are times where I block it up and ain't nothing tackling me. Amen. But I always want to be in the flow of God's blessing. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' mighty name. As we dive into your word today, I just pray that we we begin to connect some dots that we've never connected before. And that as we connect these dots, it becomes that aha moment. That Holy Ghost moment where He begins to illuminate the Word to our spirit. and begins to show us things that we've never seen before. Or at least we've seen them, but we've never really connected them this way before. And that we would go out of here today, Father, with an attitude adjustment. Because Lord knows all of us in this room from time to time need one. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. So there's just a couple of verses that I, I want to look at today. And the one in Matthew is found in what is called the Beatitudes. Everybody say Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, Jesus is talking about in the Beatitudes, in almost every one of them, He's talking about how to be blessed. So when I look at the Beatitudes, I think about these are blessed attitudes that I need to have. If I have these blessed attitudes, then he in turn is going to bless me. So, so I look at the Beatitudes and I'm like, okay, these are the attitudes that I need in my life. And what I think is interesting, especially with believers, is what we try to do is we insist on keeping our attitude and then asking God to bless it. And either in the kingdom of God and a child of God, either you're stubborn... And you keep your attitude and you try to spend the rest of your life getting the Holy Spirit to bless something that He doesn't want in your life. Or you're humble and you're real like we talked about last week. And we say, okay God, I see it. Here is a godly attitude. I'm going to have a godly attitude because that attitude is already blessed. Are you with me this morning? So I'm going to make the choice not to be stubborn, and I'm going to make the choice to follow after godly attitudes. So look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. We're just going to stay in the book of Matthew. We're going to look at some other scriptures today too. Matthew 5, verse 7 says, what's that first word? Whew, okay. So whenever I see that, I'm going to perk up and go, I got to read it. Blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Say that with me. Blessed are the merciful. 
for they will be shown mercy. Now look with me at Matthew 18, 21. Matthew 18, 21 says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven? Because like God, I got a limit. And the reason that Peter is asking this is you've got to understand that Jesus just taught them where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the power of unity or the power of agreement. And what you'll notice is that Peter immediately brings up conflict. He brings up conflict. Peter is saying, okay, Jesus, if your presence, understand that, if your presence, if your anointing, if your power is predicated on our unity, then what about Joe over there? What about Fred? Freaky Fred. Jumpy Joe. Weirdo William. What about all those jokers? Because listen to me. There's always going to be somebody in your family, in your workplace, and even in this church that the devil is going to use to tempt your attitude to see how crazy you're going to be with them. Are you hearing me? God, the enemy will use, the enemy will use your own wife. To tempt your attitude. Now look at verse 2. 22. Jesus said, Peter, not seven times, but 77 times. Now those of you that are on 76, this is not a get out of jail free card, okay? What Jesus is saying is, is look, we're not going to put a limit on this thing. Jesus is saying, look, this is not about counting But this is about a life. This is about an attitude of a perpetual state of a flow. Everybody say flow. Because y'all got to get with me, y'all. I told my wife, I said, I'm really going to have to work today. It's a tough crowd. Because I can sense when y'all are with me when you're not. So everybody everybody do this, okay? Say flow. Flow. All right. Looking good, girl. You got baptized and you already got rhythm. Woo! So Jesus is saying, you've got to get in this perpetual state. You've got to get in this flow. You've got to walk in the spirit of forgiveness. Now look at the story that follows, though. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, whenever Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, you've got to perk up your ears because what he's doing is he's going to take a story that we can relate to To explain to us something that we have no idea about. Or that we've never seen. So Jesus is saying, here's how the kingdom of God operates. And if you're going to be a child of God, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're going to be a citizen in the kingdom, you got to understand how the kingdom operates. So Jesus says, here's how my kingdom operates. Listen. 
Watch this. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Whoo, Lord have mercy. Honey, if you thought we were going to get in debt, this guy was really in debt, all right? I've been telling her I'm going to buy me a truck and a camper. She's like, we are not getting in debt for you to have a truck and a camper. So if anybody wants to give me a truck and a camper, I'll be gladly to receive it. Just get in the flow, baby, okay? Okay, since, uh, where was I? All right, 10,000 bags of gold was brought in. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Well, I guess so. He says, be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked little rascal. I canceled all the debts of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you had had... What's that word? Oh, mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you. In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Then Jesus ends... I'm not saying this. Jesus is. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Look at verse 28. Let's park it right there. That servant, that one that owed all that money, went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a very little amount of money. He grabbed him. This guy's got some anger issues. And he began to choke him. Somebody say choked. Have you ever seen two dogs fight? What do they go for? Yeah. I used to have a Doberman. And I mean, he was one mean mamba jamba. And he liked new commands. You could say attack and he'd go attack people and, and or dogs. So there was one time that I was like, attack! Because there was just this one neighbor's dog that every time we pulled in, I mean, he'd run up into the yard, blah, 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 wouldn't hardly let you out of the car. So I rolled down the window and I said, Biggs! Because he was big. I mean, his paws were as big as my head or my hand. But um, he, he, he came and, and, and he, you know, perked up his ears. I said, attack! And that doberman, I mean, he ran full speed and just locked on to the neighbor's dog's throat and, and would not let go. I'd say it, he killed the dog, but, but that's the power of going for the throat. And instinctively, if you're an avid National Geographic watcher, you know what, they have the intellect to go th- for the throat. Knowing that if they go through the throat, though that animal may be stronger than them, if they get them by the throat, they're going to put you down and they're going to stop you. So everybody, just, just, just for grins and giggles, breathe in. Now breathe out. Do it again, breathe in. Because y'all need some oxygen. And breathe out. 
Do you know you're not surviving by the intake of air? Because breathe in and just hold it. You will die. (laughs) You are surviving by the expulsion of air. Right? All right. So when you take it in, everybody take it in. And you release it out. You're ready for what's next. Are you with me? The only way that you can keep keep breathing is to maintain the flow. Everybody do this. And then if if you're like me, you can do like that. Uh, So so you're, you're, you're keeping the flow, right? Now think about that with the blessings. You're breathing in. You're giving out. You're keeping the flow. And if you take in a breath and you get choked... You can't take in what's next. So when you stop being available to take in what's next, that is what causes you to die. Are you hearing me? Therefore, any time, church, you, you, you see anything going for the throat, what do they have? They have power over that thing. Somebody say power. Power in the hands of the wrong person can corrupt. And it is a dangerous thing when people have power and what they can do with that power. And one of the greatest tests of your life in the kingdom of God is God watching how you handle power. Because if you have power over someone, or if you have power over somebody, how you handle the power is very important if you're ever going to keep that power. For example, when you ask somebody to do something for you, and they go and do that thing for you, you now have power over that person. However, if you use that power badly enough, they'll never do another thing for you again because they've marked you as an abuse of power. Are you listening to me? So what I'm talking to you today when I'm talking about power, I'm also talking to you on the surface about unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness is power over somebody. Your attitude is power over somebody. Your anger is power over somebody. How you act, all nasty, is power over somebody. How we hold grudges and offenses with people is power over somebody. And what Jesus is doing is he's inserting the idea here in which he creates this discomfort for Peter because he's talking about unity. Everybody say unity. Jesus is saying my presence, my anointing, the flow of how the kingdom works is all going to be manifested through unity. And that's why he says for where two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst. So unity is very important. It's important in a church. It's important on a worship team. It's important in your job. It's important in in, uh, your family. So let's talk about that. Because unity is brought up in the book of Psalms. And you don't have to turn there. But the Bible says in the book of Psalms. It says how good and how pleasant is it. When God's people live together in unity. And most of us really don't like this scripture. Because this scripture doesn't speak directly 
to you. We like the scriptures of bless me. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless people that bless you. And I'm going to curse people that curse you. And, and we love to find the scriptures that all about me. And, and what am I going to get? But then when it gets down to those communal, sociological scriptures that is predicated on other people, it's like, oh my God. Why? Because it's hard enough for you to keep yourself straight. Much less sister so-and-so. Much less my mother-in-law. Come on, guys. Help me out a little bit. Where are y'all today? It's tough to keep you straight. And keep everybody else in the family straight. So the Holy Spirit, He's ignored you for a second. He said, I'm not going to focus on you. And I'm going to write some scriptures in the Bible that are not just about you, but they're predicated on your ability to interact with other people. Your ability to have the right attitude with other people. That's why scripture says, how good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity. Watch this. It is like oil poured on the head. That's Aaron's head. Running down to the beard and then flowing all the way down to the robe or some versions say to the skirts. So the oil in the Bible is always a representation of the Holy Spirit. So the anointing or the flow of the Holy Spirit is based on connectivity. Everybody say connect. So in your life, if you break that connectivity, guess what you do? You stop the flow. And if you stop the flow, you lose the blessing. And I don't know about you, but as your pastor, I want you to be blessed. And everybody in here raised their hand saying, I want to be blessed. But if you keep that flow going, then the verse goes on to say the blessing that will come. Okay, Because it goes on to say that if the flow is going, it's like the Holy Spirit coming down to the head, onto the beard, all the way down to the skirts. And if you keep that flow going, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Watch this. For the Lord bestows or the Lord commands His blessing and life forevermore. But He's only going to command the blessing... Where the flow's going. Are you hearing me? Somebody say command the blessing. Let's explore that. Let's go a little bit deeper with that. The Lord commands the blessing. Only God can command a blessing, church. Only God. You ask for the blessing. Right? You ask for the promises. But only God can command the blessing. Oh, you please, oh Lord, just bless me, Lord. But he's the only one that has the ability to command the blessing. And, and you need to see this. So if you're asleep, pinch yourself or something. And listen, uh, y'all remember the centurion in the Bible? For those of you that don't, there was a centurion, which was a Roman soldier, that his daughter was sick and, and needed to be healed. So he comes to Jesus. And, and at this point in, in the scripture, Jesus is, is really, really busy. So the centurion stopped him in the middle of the road and you know, because his daughter is sick. And he's like, you know, you don't have to go to my house, Jesus. I understand power. I understand authority. Because I'm a man of power and I'm a man under authority. 
You don't have to come. Watch what he says. You just speak the word and my daughter will be healed. And the centurion didn't understand religion. He didn't have a Bible full of promises like you do. He didn't even understand theology. He didn't know about the God that we serve. But what he understood is this Jesus had all power and authority in his hand. And if he would just release the word, if he would just speak the word, his daughter would be healed. You can't miss this. Let's go deeper. I would command blessings all up on your life. Campers for everybody. (laughs) New hot water heaters, even if you just got one. I would command it if I knew how to speak to it. Don't miss this. Because see, I don't speak the language that blessings speak. God speaks all kinds of languages. He knows how to talk to a blessing. God can speak to it and God has authority. And not only does he have authority and not only does he know the language, but he has the ability to communicate with anything. If I had the authority to command the blessing, tell me, how do I speak the language to tell it to go here and to tell it to go there? What language does healing speak? What language does deliverance speak? See, God is so multilingual, church, that when he got ready to command a curse, he spoke to frogs. How do you talk to a frog? Do you look at it and go, ribbit? I mean, seriously, he spoke to the frogs. He spoke to the frog and immediately they went against their nature and they gathered together as a group and moved like an army into Egypt because God knows how to command things to go here and to go there. And when the Bible says that God commands a blessing, He can speak to your blessing and say, blessing go there and blessing go here and blessing get on her and blessing get on him. But we can't stop the flow. Are you hearing me this morning? So understand what God is saying. He's saying, if you want me to start commanding blessings, you better be careful how you treat your associations. Yeah. You mean I can't tell them off? I can't tell my brother to stick it where the sun don't shine? No. Because Lord knows I've been wanting to do that a couple of times to my family. But anyway, no, I can't. Can I be real in here today? Y'all walked in here like y'all saved and sanctified. Looking at me down your long sanctified nose. Come on. God is saying, I'll bless you. I will command a blessing based on how you treat your family. Based on how you treat people at work. Based on how you treat people in church. Based on how you treat... I said Publix earlier. That's a southern place. But based on how you treat people at Walmart, I will command blessings. Because Jesus said this, whether you like it or not, is how the kingdom operates. And guess what my job is as your pastor? 
I get up here and I teach you how the kingdom operates. And the world, it has all kind of vehicles to teach you how it operates. Turn on CNN, watch Fox News, get on your little Facebook and read all those articles. Go to your favorite blog. I don't care. They will teach you how the world operates. But I'm here today to tell you how the kingdom operates. And if you want to operate in the world system, which I believe personally is up under the uh, uh, operation of Satan, then you really don't need me. And you really don't need a church. But if you're wanting to get in the flow of how the kingdom of God operates, then you'll be in church and you'll be soaking up every word of the pastor saying, teach me how to be blessed. See, that's why the Bible says that you can be in the world, but not of it. We are all in it, but I'm not supposed to be of it. For example, if you're ever invited to my house, I will treat you good. And I will treat you nice. But you will never be one of my children. You are in my house... But you are not of my house. And if you come to eat dinner and you like to stay late, believe me, I will tell you, you got to go. (laughs) I got to get my beauty rest. Amen? So Jesus says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. So here the master is as he's balancing the books and he was, you know, working with his bookkeeper and say, hey, can Johnny pay this off? And the bookkeeper is like, no, Johnny is so poor he can't even pay attention. So, so he says, okay, here's what I want. I, I don't want to function. This is a pearl here. Don't ever function in a relationship with somebody that's in deficit to you. Okay? So here, that was just a pearl. And I don't even know why I was addressing this side. Okay. (laughs) Whoever it's for, there you go. So that's what he was saying. I don't want to function at a deficit with anybody. So this man couldn't pay it back. So the master said, okay, (laughs) we'll fix it. And the master ordered this this man, or, or ordered, said, you know what, let's sell his wife. Let's sell his children and let's sell everything that he owes to repay the debt. Now, it's, it's one thing to sell me, even though I wouldn't like that. But to sell my wife and to sell my kids, <laughs> oh, you ain't touching them. Are you hearing me? So when the servant understood the magnitude of what was about to happen to him over the debt that he owed, what did he do? He collapsed on the floor, down to his knees, and the Bible says he threw himself at the mercy of the master and cried out, be patient with me, and I will repay back everything that I owe. Now watch this. Instead of the master giving him time to pay the bill, the master forgave The entire debt. Oh my. Y'all don't see it, do you? That's exciting news, church. I mean, can you imagine? They're about to sell off your wife, your kids, sell everything you got. And he said, canceled. Go. 
Can you imagine the excitement of the man and what he would feel because of the mercy of the master? Now watch this. Not only does he survive, but listen. His wife survives. Everything that he's connected to survives. Wait a minute. His children survive. His future survives. His destiny survives. Now to me, that's amazing. Now think about your life. Think about it right now. How excited should you be every time you wake up and you come into this church and you look down the road and you see what could have happened and you see how close to destruction you came but through no goodness of your own church only through the mercy of the master named Jesus he looked beyond your fault he saw your need he had compassion on you and he showed mercy to you y'all are deader than a doornail in here I said mercy I said God's goodness. I said God's deliverance. I said God's restoration. Look, I hung around associations that baby, I should be dead. Most of my friends that did drugs and alcohol with me, they are dead. Jeff Small that I used to do roofies with, he is dead right now because his heart exploded because he had so much cocaine in his body. He is dead. And I should have been dead. I've driven home many times drunk. Didn't even know how I got there. And by God's mercy and God's grace, I am alive today on planet earth to preach the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. Come on and give Him praise in this place. I bet you some of you in here should be dead. I bet you you've got associations that you've been into some stuff that they're in and they're dead now. But see, when justice stood up and said, it's time to take him. I don't care if you were saved or not. God said, no, that one's mine. I'm going to use that one in the future. So mercy stood up, started pleading your case, and said, though they're guilty, you're not taking this one, Justice. This one's ours. Come on and give him praise in this one. That's the amazing grace of God. We all owe a debt that we cannot pay. We have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So that all of you might have freedom today. That's mercy. Somebody shout mercy. Mercy. Shout it again. Shout mercy. mercy. Mercy brought you through it. Mercy brought somebody out of that nasty relationship. Woo-hoo! Mercy brought you out of the chaos. Mercy brought you out of that situation that was bringing you to destruction. Mercy brought me through my stinking teen years. Mercy brought me out of that trauma. Mercy's kept that attack from killing me. It is God's... Can we just thank Him again for the mercy that endures...
And I've come to realize something, and I'm a firm believer of it. Is, is in this church, has, I'll get to that point. I'm going to jump ship here. Has anybody ever had anybody that lied about you? Raise your hand. I mean, said something about you in this community that wasn't true. That's when we need justice. Right? That ain't true. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to make sure justice is served because that person is a liar and they're going to hell. Oh, you know you think it. See, justice is always a friend to the innocent. And there may be all of you in this place and all you need is justice because y'all are good to eat two-shoes. But most of us in this place, we want mercy. And mercy is, I'm guilty, yeah, <laughs> I've done all that. I got the t-shirt. Give me mercy. Look past it. Forgive me. And there are a few folks in this place that I believe truly understand mercy. And when I get to heaven, I'm not walking through the pearly gates singing about justice. Because I'll be struck down dead. I'm going to be walking through the pearly gates and go, His mercy endures forever. His mercy is new every morning. Hallelujah. I made it through. Give me a broom. I sweep the streets of gold if I got to. I'm just glad I'm here. Amen? Because Lord knows I'll probably be squeaking in there. But see, mercy is only needed if you're guilty. Are you hearing me? Mercy is only needed when you're guilty. For example, and I don't know if y'all have done this in this church, so I'll use this as an example. You slept with her. Your wife finds out. And says, I'm out of here. You don't fall down on your knees and say, baby, give me justice. Because then you'll get what you deserve. You fall down on your knees and you cry out to God. God, if you would just get me out of this. I'll never do that again. I promise. Because see, mercy is needed for the guilty. And there is no, this is what I was going to say. I am so convinced of this now more than ever before. There is no freedom in a Christian like they understand undeserved freedom. There is no freedom for a Christian like understanding what true freedom is. And when you finally get the word down deep in your soul. That you have escaped from stuff that you're guilty of. Though you were guilty, you've escaped by the mercy and the blood of Jesus Christ. That is when worship begins to explode in a church. That's why innocent people don't know how to praise like people that know about mercy. You might have slipped out of the womb and started walking on water and never sinned in your life. So your praise is going to be like... Yay, Jesus. But people that are guilty and know they're guilty, when they get in the presence of God, they're going to be, God, (laughs) I escaped it all. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Yeah, y'all are deader than a doornail today. 
Can we crank it up a little bit? Ah, all right. Look, there's no freedom like knowing the freedom of Jesus Christ. When you have a revelation of mercy, when you understand that that stupid thing that you did four weeks ago, you're not getting justice for it, but you're getting mercy for it. You don't need a worship team. You don't need a worship leader. You don't need a pastor to get up here and go, all right, here's my pom-poms. Let's get excited about Jesus. Because when you truly understand mercy and you understand grace, I don't need no worship team. I don't need no worship teacher. I don't need no preacher. I can get in my car and do a little dance and say it's mercy. So the text says, that same old servant, the one that just got dance, got through dancing in church, the one that says, "Woo, preach it, pastor," the one that just had a Holy Ghost revival service in his life, went and told his wife, went and told his kids. God got us out of this, God. Woo! We get to keep on living. That same guilty servant, this experience, the magnitude of the mercy of God. You would think that for the rest of his natural born life, he would have been merciful. And he was all good celebrating Jesus. He was the one that shouted the loudest in the church until he ran up onto somebody that he had power over. He had power over this person. See, the guy passed the test when he was powerless. And that's easy to do. Because when you're powerless, you have absolutely no choice. But to cry out for mercy. And nobody teaches you how to cry. There is nobody in this place, maybe there could be, that your tear ducts have gone unused. There's nobody in this place that ever read the book, How to Cry for Dummies. We all know how to cry. Matter of fact, have you ever thought about what's the first thing that a baby does? Why don't they come out laughing? (laughs) Why don't they do that? Because that would be awesome. Like if they're hungry. (laughs) I mean, I could enjoy a baby then. They'd probably starve to death because I'd start laughing and roll on the floor laughing. But here's what I believe is I believe God lets us practice the first thing that we need and that's to cry. To cry before Him. To cry out for mercy. Because that's the first thing you practice when you get into this world. And here's the servant. 
without options, he falls down to his knees and cries. He passed the test of repentance. He passed the test of how to cry out for mercy. But see, the real test comes in our lives when you get up from salvation, when you get up for asking God to forgive you, when you get up from that nasty thing that you left at the altar last week, and then you encounter somebody that is powerless and you have power over. And I am convinced I can really tell all about you now when I want to invite y'all to dinner, y'all going to be like dotting your I's and crossing your T's and doing real good. Because I like to watch people of how they treat waitresses. I like to watch people of how they treat the maid at the hotel room. I like to watch people how they treat the person at the front counter. Because that tells me a lot about the person. And the Bible says that the same servant... When he got up, when he wasn't the one in the wrong, this time he runs up on a guy that owes a sliver of what he owed the master. And let me give you this nugget here. Understand, and this is why I don't understand those sanctified Christians that everything is a sin. Oh, you play video games? Well, you know what? You're dying and going to hell. I'm sure there's a lot of you, I can't believe our pastor did this in the church. He's probably dying and going to hell. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to Northfield Church where this is probably the realest pastor on planet earth. (laughs) Here's the deal, and this is what I found with people. Understand we have patience with people who have the same kind of weakness that we do. If I find somebody that has the same weakness that I do, I'll be patient with you. But when somebody is weak in an area where you have this strength, then I begin to see who you really are. Because people will justify other people's weakness when they have the weakness. Because you can identify with their struggle. Are you with me? However, when you run into somebody who has a struggle, where now you have grown in Christ and you have a strength, now that's when you look down your long sanctified nose and go, mm-hmm, that one's going to hell. So now I can see either you are merciful or you are merciless. And those type of people I usually take two steps away from. I'll hang around you, but I won't get near you because I don't want nothing to strike me down dead. Amen? So watch this. He, he runs up. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. I, I, he runs up to this brother. He runs up to one of his association. He snatches him. And what does he do to him? Everybody do like that right here. Not, not, not to your wife there, Mike. That's a whole other sermon. That may even be counseling. Like for two years. 
I'm just playing with them. We all got to, where'd y'all go? Come on, work with me today. I got plenty of time. All right, everybody do this. Listen closely. I don't see everybody doing it. He begins to choke him, okay? Everybody start choking. He is doing this right now. Not knowing what he's doing to the brother that he owed. Or he owed the brother that owed him. What he's doing right now to his brother is what he's doing to the blessing over his life. Everybody say choked. (laughs) Not knowing when he was choking the man, he was choking the blessings of God. For the Bible says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And he was not merciful. And God is telling somebody in this room, as long as I see you giving, I will always let the flow of blessings come to you. But when you stop, you will stop my hand from blessing you. Now, I know that this is dealing with forgiveness, but think about any attitude. Think about anything in your life where you're not operating in kingdom principles. If you do not forgive them, if you do not let that offense go, if you do not walk around, or if you would just stop walking around with like, you see that? It's a chip, and it's against you. If you keep, not really, if you keep doing that, God's going to choke out the blessing. If you do not, listen to me, if you do not get rid of that attitude, you're going to choke the blessing of God. And not, watch this, not only are you going to choke the blessing of God over your life, but you're going to choke the blessing of God over your associations, your wife's life. You're going to choke out the blessing for the future representation of your kid's life. Don't choke out the blessing just because you want to hang on to your nasty attitude. And you must understand the power of the throat. He went for the throat because when you go for the throat and you choke anything, you're breaking the cycle. Breathe in again. Breathe out again. How many times you want to do that? Seven? Okay, come on up, and I've got something for you right here. I, I will help you only breathe seven times. I will squeeze so hard until you can only take seven breaths. And that's why Jesus said, no, don't choke it out on the seventh time. Keep the flow going where I can bless you. Breathe in again. Breathe out again. Don't ever. That's, that's, that's how the anointing flows, y'all. Don't ever break the anointing. Don't ever break the presence of God over your life. And listen, the only way that you get to the future is to let the cycle go. How do you keep the cycle going? Do you want to know? Get rid of your attitude. Why? Your blessing depends on it. Your future depends on it. Your miracle depends on it. 
Your children depend on it. Everything that God has promised you in the Word is your ability to let things go. So when I say run down to Home Depot and get a ladder and get over it, guess what? That is wisdom. Let it go. Stop holding on to stuff that ain't going to matter in two months. Because if you hold on to it, you stop the cycle. If you learn how to release stuff, the cycle keeps flowing. And listen to me. I got news for you. Wake up in the morning and life is going to throw you something. Because every day, life will throw you something. So what you do is you take in what you need and you release what you don't need. And in the process, listen to me, do not let anyone and do not let anything hurt you so bad to have so much power over you that you live your life going, Are you hearing me? Look at somebody and say, ain't nothing. Oh, God. Look at your neighbor and say, ain't nothing. Gonna choke me. Look, I don't care what they did. I do not care how bad they hurt you. I don't care how crazy the situation is. Do not hold on to what happened between you and them. So what do you do? I let go of some things and I leave them in the past. And I press on to grab hold of the high prize of the Lord Jesus Christ who is going to bless me. We got to press. So as the musicians come, and I'll close with this. And I don't want you to look at them because I think this is a word for somebody. I, I, I gave somebody a picture that I'm counseling and, and I'll share it with you because I don't want this, them to have the nugget of truth. Whoever you are upset with, whoever you are angry with, Whoever you hold a grudge or a spirit of offense with. Watch this. You are allowing them to choke you. And if you become a slave to your history. You will never go into your destiny. You will choke out the blessing of God upon your life. Do not be a slave to your history. Because the only way you can keep breathing is to whenever life hits you, and it will. Whatever happens, whoever comes in your life and whoever goes, whoever loves you, And yet, whoever hates you, whoever kept their word, and whoever lied on you, you got to listen to me. In order to be close to your next miracle, you've got to let it go.
I need a husband and a wife. Who's going to help me? Y'all two, come on up. Come in those beautiful shirts and stand. I'm going to pretend to be God. Okay, because I've got the microphone. God says what God has joined together. Let no man put asunder. And I, 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 I want you to submit to me. And I want you to submit to him. And that's how the kingdom works. So I'm going to bless you. No, go ahead, take it. And you're going to bless her. And then she's going to give it to me. And I'm going to bless you. And you're going to bless her. And then she's going to give it to me. I'm going to bless you. Now this time, you hold on to it. I'm going to bless you. I won't hear your prayers. And I'll treat you just like you treat her. (laughs) But when you repent, I'll hear and mercy will shine and you bless her and she'll bless me and I'll bless him. Now, If you ever hold on to it because he's guilty of something and you don't show him mercy and you ever walk around the house, y'all know how you do. Slam those doors. Then this is what God will do to you until you repent and he shows you mercy. You bless him and he blesses you and then you bless her. That's how it operates. Y'all can be seated. That's the flow. That is the flow of the anointing. And that's when I did it, the atmosphere changed. And some of you began to cry because that's the cycle of the anointing. And you know it down deep. You know how God flows. And you can either clog it up. Or you can keep it going. And you can never get mercy unless you show mercy. So like I said at the beginning of the message, unity flows down upon the head, Jesus Christ, to the beard, the man, down to the robe or the skirts, the woman. And it's a perpetual state. And it's in any relationship, not just in a marriage. So the question is, are you ready to step into the flow? Because just like breathing, that is the anointing. It flows. And anything that breaks that flow, if you're sensitive to Him, you'll know it's broken. And that's why God says, I've got mercy and it's new every morning. Oh, you need healing? Then keep the flow going. 
You need deliverance? Keep the flow going. You need mercy? Keep the flow going. Whatever you need, it is in a flow. So when you get a chance to bless somebody, whether with a camper, or whether with a hot water heater, or whether with mercy, you're just keeping the flow going and the anointing going so that it can pass back to you. So some of you in this room have an association and that person needs mercy. And when that person needs mercy, you become a person now with power. So really the test in your life is what will you do with the power that you have? What will you do with the power that you have over somebody else? Do you get it? Are you with me? See, my goal today was to tell you why you need to let it go. But how? Get yourself an attitude adjustment. Have a blessed attitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And can I be real? I mean, I've been here six and a half years. As your pastor, I have had to have some hard conversations with people. Some people have left this church because they didn't like the hard conversation. I've had staff. I've had to let them go for the protection of y'all. But you can ask my wife. I think Holly knows me enough now that you can ask her. You can ask any board member I have. That I have never been merciless with the power that I have. I had a situation here one time with a staff member that I called all of my mentors that are pastors of mega churches, told them what happened, and they said, fire the person immediately, get the cancer out of the church. And I refused. Because I always err on the side of mercy and the side of grace. Now you push me, and that's where the law steps in. But I would rather err on the side of mercy and the side of the grace any day of the week than get to heaven and have to hear it from Him. But watch our story. Because it ends this way. In His anger, the Master handed Him over to the jailers to be tortured. Somebody say tortured. Whatever history that you're hanging on to with such a tight grip. Whatever unforgiveness you're holding on to with such a tight grip. Whatever grudge, whatever offense that you're holding on to with such a tight grip. Understand it's torturing you. I ain't torturing them. It's torturing you. And because of the blood of Jesus Christ, there is an open jail cell that you would try to stay in and be tortured instead of just walking out in it because of the freedom and the mercy of God. When you realize the jail cell is open, you'll walk out of it let it go. I'm letting it go because I don't want it to torture me and I don't want it to choke out my blessing. If you can't show mercy, 
Now, I'm not saying this for everybody because I don't want you to go home and have a, a wrong view of God. But I've often, I guess just personally, my, my personal conviction, that if I don't have the ability to show mercy, could it be that since there's no blessing over my life, you, you know when the person walks in the room that you got something with, and you like roll your eyes. And then some of y'all like breathe funny. You're like. <sighs> I mean. That, that's funny breathing to me. <sighs> Have you ever thought for one second. That when you don't show mercy. And you hang on to that attitude. That God's going. <sighs> and doing the same thing to you. Is you're doing to them. I don't know who this is for. But listen to me. Being angry. Is human. But staying angry. Is foolish. Because the Bible says. Anger rests. In the bosom of fools. So you can either go out of here. And keep that attitude. And it's going to choke out your blessing. Or you can go out of here. Run down to Home Depot. Buy your ladder. And get over it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. How many of you would say, Pastor, I needed this today? Raise your hand. Those of you in this room that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, but would like to. This is how the kingdom of heaven operates. That if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are guaranteed a ticket to hell. (gasps) How could a loving God do that to me? Because he is a God of justice. But he's also a God of mercy. I love how people post on Facebook, God is a God of love and he would never do anything like that. If your kid was running into a building that was burning, would you just say, oh, I love them so much, I'll just let them go? No, you would stop them. And say, do not do that. And that's what God is doing right now with somebody's heart. Is you're separated from Him. And He's just gently saying, you know what? Do not do that. I created you. I formed every hair on your head. I even have numbered them. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I formed you in your mother's belly. And I am your father. But because of sin, our connection is broken. And if you would just simply turn your life over to me and simply say a prayer of asking Jesus to forgive you, then the blood will cover over your sin. And we will be reconnected. And then I become the author and the perfecter of your faith. No, it's not about dropping everything and immediately being a super Christian. It's about just simply making me your Savior. And as you walk with me, To make me the Lord of your life. If you're in this room and you want to have a relationship with Jesus. And you don't have one today. I'm not talking about joining Northfield Church. I'm talking about giving your life to Christ. If that's you, would you raise your hand in this room? That is me, Pastor. I want a relationship with Jesus. To where I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. That my destination is heaven. If that's you, quickly just lift up your hand. Thank you. 
I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. We're not going to dunk you in the tank immediately unless you want to. But pastor, I just want to, I want to know that I'm right. Because at the end of the day, it's just a little thing to be sure. I want to be sure of heaven. Anybody else in this room? I want to give my life to Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Is that a hand? Or is... Thank you. Anybody else? Just want to step over that line today. The Holy Spirit's moving upon hearts. Oh, no, Pastor, it's because you keep asking. No, it's because the Spirit is moving and the Bible says that no one can come to the Father unless He who sent me draws them. Is God tugging on your heart, telling you it's time to come home? No, everything's not going to be perfect immediately, but it's going to put you on a pathway to be blessed. Anybody else? Lift up that hand. Thank you, thank you. I see that hand. We're all going to pray a prayer with you. And I don't say this or come over here to embarrass y'all, but I just feel led of the Lord. Is that, is that okay? Permission? Your future lies right there. And what y'all are both about to do is going to leave a legacy for the gift that God has you. Because the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above and children belong to the Lord. He's loaning you that child to raise up. And what you've done today is the biggest decision of your life. And when you mean this with all of your heart, and you follow hard after Him, God's going to teach you and train you to where you can grow up to teach. Do you know what it is, boy or girl? To teach that child how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. I'm very proud of y'all. Very proud of y'all. Permission to approach I've been praying for you since I met you. But that's okay, because that's what pastors do. So you're my miracle. Now here's the deal. Be a miracle to everybody else by following him. Allowing him to mold and shape your life. Because brother, I was broke. And if he can put this Humpty Dumpty back together again, he can put anything back together again. And I'm here to help. I don't do this to embarrass you. I'm just feeling led of the Lord to do this. And I hope, hope with your permission, I hope they come back. But I want to help you. I want to disciple you. So every chance you get, come here. This is my way of discipling. But if you need me one-on-one, I'm there for you. Back there in the back, thank you. We're going to pray this prayer because the Bible says if you accept the Lord, believe that He died for you and confess your sins and choose to make Him the Lord of your life, you shall be saved. So it's a quick prayer. Just pray this. Those of you that raised your hand, mean it with all your heart. Say, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again on the third day. So I confess my sin. And I choose this day to make you the Savior of my soul. And with your help, 
You will become the Lord of my life. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Could you stand to your feet and celebrate? Glory to God.